Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. We're going to do a, a teaching today on called, called Living and Working in a Divine Partnership. We're, we're pausing just for this week from the book of James that we're slowly walking through. And I want to introduce you to a prayer that I have been praying every morning, and um, it's, it's done some interesting things in my life and some really, really good things in my life. And I want to invite us as a church to pray this prayer individually, uh, all of us, through the end of November. So we're going to just call this our autumn prayer. And... Um, I don't know if any of you have ever flown a stunt kite. They are not easy to fly. Has anyone ever flown a stunt kite? Yeah, they're tough. This is, there's a reason why most of you haven't because they're just very difficult. My sister gave me one for Christmas several years ago. My father-in-law, when I was in North Carolina, gave me uh, his old stunt kite and he's really good at it. And so we took it to the beach in North Carolina and um, <laughs> I literally almost took some people's heads off. Like it was, it, the thing flies around and it's like razor sharp string and it just goes around so fast. It's almost impossible to control. You have to be so slight and careful and small in your movements. And the thing just goes all over the place. When it's really, really windy, it is insane. I've also tried to fly it when there's virtually no wind just to see if I could control it, if I was generating the wind by running myself, and that does not work very well. It's almost a matter of, I need, and I haven't done this yet in all these years, I need to learn how to work in partnership with the wind. It would be, I could get it in the air by running, but it would be exhausting for me to feel like I have to keep the kite in the air by running on my own. But when the wind is already there, when I can find the wind and harness it, it takes the kite up into the air and I just need to learn how to work with the wind. That's kind of a metaphor for how we were designed to live. We were designed to do work and to live in this partnership with God. You know, when, when, you're, when I'm looking at what we should do as a church and what ministries we should begin. I'm not just running with a kite, and I learned this from my spiritual director, I'm not just running with a kite to try to get it up in the air and then exhausting myself for years and trying to just keep generating wind by running. I'm looking where the spirit is moving. The spirit is compared to wind in the Bible. I'm looking where the Holy Spirit is already at work and learning how to harness what he's already doing so that I don't exhaust myself and my resources by trying to generate my own wind. And that's how we were intended not only to do ministry, but also to, to live our lives. I wanna talk about a biblical principle today, and that is that we were made to live and work in partnership with God. The universe was designed to work this way. God created and built the universe so that he did all the heavy lifting 
and he invites us into a life of partnership with him. And when we are taking our responsibility seriously and we know what God's responsibility is, it works because that's how God created the universe. Bruce Walkie, who's an Old Testament theologian, says that we're vice regents with God on earth. Now, a regent is a person who governs a kingdom in the absence of the sovereign. So God has created this beautiful world, this beautiful universe, and he has invited humanity to be vice regents, to oversee the kingdom, the world, the creation, in loving, benevolent partnership with him. He didn't just create the world and say, okay, it's yours, figure out what you want to do with it. When we remove God from the equation, when we're not working in partnership with him, things begin to fall apart. And we can call this partnership with God divine partnership. And in divine partnership, we definitely still work, we definitely still do things, we definitely still have responsibilities, but all of our work is in the abundant flow of the work that God is already at work doing. And we're gonna make this really concrete towards the end of this teaching. So right now it's gonna be kind of nebulous and, and um, maybe a little bit uh, just principles and a little bit hard to understand and make concrete, but we're gonna do that. So just first get the principle that we were made to work in divine partnership with God on this earth. It's the difference between getting in a rowboat and taking it out into the ocean and trying to get somewhere in your own strength, living autonomously from God, trying to accomplish things on your own, trying to get to a, maybe an island that's 100 feet out from, or 100 miles out from the shore in a little rowboat and you're getting tossed around everywhere that's kind of an image of what it looks like to live autonomously from God. It's a difference between that and getting in a boat, in a rowboat, that you put into a, a mighty rushing river that's going downstream. You still work in that rowboat, but you're, you're following the flow of the river. And you're still having to like steer and work and guide and direct the rowboat, there's still responsibility that you have, but it's easier because you're in the flow of the river. That's what divine partnership with God is intended to look like for us. And I wanna give you three examples. And if you don't have notes, one of our ushers has uh, sermon notes in the back. It's, it might be easier to follow along with those. Um, you can just raise your hand and, and Tom will bring you a copy if you don't have one of those. Um, but we're gonna start, we're gonna give you three examples of what this looks like to try to make it a little bit more concrete. All right, the first one, the first example that we see of this invitation to divine partnership with God is in creation. You can follow along if you want to on your phones. You can just Google ESV Bible. That's the, that's the translation that we use. And, or you can open up your scripture or you can follow along in the notes to Genesis 1, 27 and 28. Now God had just 
created this gorgeous earth and this beautiful garden, and he was given humanity their assignment, their responsibility in this. It's interesting to spend time at the very beginning of the Bible to see what life was like before creation was marred and scarred by rebellion and sin and things like this. So this is what God, this is God's original assignment for humanity. Some people call this a cultural mandate. It's Genesis 1, 27 and 28. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God did everything to set us up for success as vice regents, as vice rulers with him. He created a universe that as long as it receives a little bit of care two degrees of intentionality on our part, it will work. It will run. It will do what it's supposed to do. God's work is he created plants that will grow. He created plants that have seeds in them that fall out or get carried to other places by birds and replanted and grow. Our work is to tend to the garden, is to water them, is to spread this, you know, originally the Garden of Eden was in just one small part of the earth. The the goal was to spread that garden over the entire earth. That was humanity's goal. God's work in this creation that he built was he created animals that reproduce. Humanity's work is to name them and exercise benevolent rulership over them, kindly, gently ruling them and utilizing them for our needs. God's work is to bless humanity with the capacity to govern and reproduce. Our work was to fill the earth with people who, like us, would serve as vice regents with God. So we see in creation from the very beginning we were created to work in divine partnership with God. He does the heavy lifting, we join him. We were created to take all the raw materials of creation and do interesting stuff with it. We were created to be artists. We were created to make beautiful things. We were created to help other people live meaningful lives. This is one of the things that we talk about in premarital counseling, that when you get married, all of your resources and all of that person's resources are going to be put together. How are you going to creatively use the raw stuff of life that you have in order to make beautiful stuff and to love people well and to serve people well? We do that in divine partnership with God. All right, so that's, that's how it was kind of baked into the DNA of creation. Let's look at the disciples as another example. In your notes, you see that Jesus' entire training program 
for the 12 disciples was designed to show them how to work in divine partnership with him as he built his church and ruled his kingdom. And by the way, if you are interested in learning what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus today, that is your training program as well. And here's the cool thing about being a disciple of Jesus. You don't have to commit to anything. You don't have to commit to believing anything. You don't have to commit to confessing or professing anything before you try on his lifestyle. Jesus, it was several, it was a couple years before Jesus asked the disciples who they think he is. They first invited him into a type of living in partnership with him. So anybody can try this on. Jesus' agenda was to teach the disciples how to live in divine partnership with him. So the first example is the feeding of the uh, thousands of people. This is Matthew 14, 15 through 21. If you want to turn there, follow along in your, in your notes or, or get out your device and, and look it up. Matthew 14, 15 through 21. I'm just going to read through it. We're going to talk about it. We want to identify what did God do and what did humanity do in this divine partnership. This is an incredible miracle. Very fascinating. Matthew 14, starting in verse 15. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him, Jesus, and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for them. What was their mistake? Right off the bat, they're not thinking of divine partnership with God. They're thinking of how are we supposed to care for these people. There's no way we can. So when you remove God from the equation, all you can do is brainstorm about how you can help these people. So their best idea was send them into the villages so that they can buy food for themselves. Not thinking about this divine partnership they have with Jesus. So verse 16, but Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus is trying to train them to think of the possibilities of life lived in partnership with him. You can do a lot without God. There's no doubt. You can do a lot without God, but with God and with the help of his empowering presence and spirit, you can do a hundredfold. And the differences, the things that you do in partnership with God have eternal implications, have implications that echo into eternity. Jesus is trying to get them to think of how could we do this in partnership together. Verse 17, they said to him, well, we have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate 
and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces he left o- that were left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So in addition to the 5,000 men, there were women and children. If we're talking divine partnership, what was God's role? What did God do in that miracle? And what did people do? This is a paradigm for our lives. Jesus took the bread. He looked up to heaven. He broke it. He took the food and he gave it to the disciples. He blessed it, which always involves increase. He blessed it and he gave it to the disciples. What was the disciples' work? The disciples' job, just like our job, is to give God what we have. There's zero pressure. You don't have to do anything more or have any more than you already have. Our responsibility is to, this is what I've got. This is what we've got. Take this. You can do whatever you want with it. God takes what we have and makes makes it work, makes it abundant, makes it strong. My thing was giving God, here, I'm available. I have anxiety and panic attack disorder. That's what my agreement was with God at the beginning of my ministry life 23 years ago. I have a panic attack disorder. I can't talk in front of people. I'll give you what I have, which is a lot of weakness. I don't ever want to talk in front of people, but you can do whatever you want. We offer God whatever we have, and we say, you make it into something helpful. And then we just sit back and watch. The disciples then took the food that Jesus imparted with supernatural grace that he, that he blessed, and they started passing out these, this little bit of loaves and fish, and it kept increasing and kept increasing And pretty soon, over 5,000 people had eaten their full. And then what was the disciples' job? After they gave to Jesus what they had, after they gave it out to other people, after Jesus blessed it, what was their job? To go get the leftovers. And how many basketfuls were left over? Twelve. One for each disciple. When we are living and doing work in our own resources... It empties us. When we are living and working in God's resources, we sleep really well at night, it fills us, and there's always overflow for us. Each disciple walked away that day. They went into that situation with just enough food for maybe a a few of them. They left with each their own basket full of food. We're made to live in divine partnership with God. Let's look at one more. This is fishing. Some of you like fishing. I'm not good at it. I wish I was. And plus, it kind of makes me nervous, like getting the hook out of the fish's mouth and stuff. I just never got into it. But I like the way they fish. They use nets. So let's look at this. This is Luke 5, 1 through 7. It's our last example of the disciples. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, everywhere Jesus went, there was, either, there was a crowd that either wanted to kill him or make him king. So here's a crowd, they're trying to hear him. While the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake. 
But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon, Simon Peter. He asked him to put it out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. They just did that all night and got nothing. And Simon answered, Master, you know, we toiled all night and took nothing. That's what it looks like to work not in divine partnership with God. But at your word, since you say so, I will let down the nets. Now he's talking. Divine partnership, hearing what God says, obeying him when it doesn't make sense. What happens? Verse 6, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Same method of fishing they had been doing all night and caught nothing. Same location. Massively different results. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. What was God's work? To direct and guide them and tell them what to do, put your nets down again, and then to fill the nets. What was man's work? To obey God when it doesn't make sense, and then the very, very, very difficult work of figuring out how to get all the fish into the boats. That's gonna be hard work. So there is hard work when you're working with God, but it's fun. It's the type of work you enjoy doing. It doesn't feel like you're spinning your wheels. What about us? What does it look like for us to live in divine partnership with God? These are in your notes. And by the way, if we ran out of notes, you can, you can just email me at info at Southside Worcester and I'll make sure you get a copy of these notes. Or you can just write these verses down. Second Chronicles 16.9. What does it look like for me today, for me this week, to work in divine partnership with God? For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. So just imagine this. God is searching. He's looking across the whole earth running back and forth, trying to find what? Trying to find who? Why is God searching the earth? To give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. My role is to have a heart that's blameless and open to God. His role is to give strong support to me. If you want to live in the wind, in the power of God... Your job is to imitate Jesus. Become the type of person who's just reeks of God's love, who follows him, who lives selflessly, who gives their lives for the sake of others in the way that Jesus did and in the power of Jesus. And as you do that, God will pour strength, power, resources into your life. What does it look like for us to live in divine partnership with God? John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Fruit he's talking about in the spiritual sense. That when we remain with our mind and our hearts focused on Christ, all that he's done for us, all the ways that he helps us, all the ways that he empowers us, we live a life 
that will make an eternal difference for a lot of people. We will be an abundantly fruitful person. What does it look like for us to live in divine partnership with God? 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It means whatever we are called to do, it will be, it'll work. In all the ways it was designed to work. In an average day in the life of a person, who is not interested in living in divine partnership with God, and this is for so many, so many times I try to live apart from God's help, and here's what it looks like. I wake up in the morning, and I don't walk through my day with God. That's not living in divine partnership with God. I don't have a conversation with him, and it's not like a super religiously sounding prayer. It's like, oh man, I have this meeting today. I'm really anxious about that. I'm not sure what's gonna go on with that. I don't really know what to say. You're gonna have to help me. Um, I was really grumpy with the family last night. I want to do better with that. It's just a conversational time with God where I'm talking with him about my life. It's not super formal. I have to, if I don't do that in the mornings, then I end up making a mess of things. Um, Another indication of me not living in divine partnership with God is I don't seek God's help about practical decisions throughout the day. I'm not checking in with him. It's been a whole day at work and I haven't really checked in with God. Like, what are you up to in this? What do you want me to do in this? I'm going into this meeting. Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any ideas? I'm open. If you got things to say, if you want me to encourage this person in any way, I'm open to it. It's not checking in with him throughout the day. When I don't do that, I'm not living in divine partnership. I neglect to fuel my prayers with scripture promises that spell out what God has given us in Christ. Scripture promises are gasoline to the fire of our prayers. When you pray scripture, it increases the intensity and the power and the effectiveness of that, pr- that prayer a hundredfold. This, I think, is one of the most neglected practices for Christians. We're, we're operating so many times in our own power and prayer because we're not introducing scripture into it. It fuels our prayer. Um, I don't pay attention to what God is doing around me and join him. I just throw things against the wall and see what sticks. I want to give you an example of, um, I'll end with an example before I give you the prayer that we're going to pray together every day through the end of November. I, uh, when we lived in Wadsworth, I had this idea of planting a home church. Um, and so I was trying to figure out all these different ways to do this. I never really talked with God about it. I never really prayed about it. I just, you know, I want to build my empire. I want to, I want to be really important. I want everyone to look at me as a, as a really important leader so I'm going to start a, a home church, and it's going to grow, and there's going to be a ton of people that are part of this thing. So we, we, we lived in a neighborhood. We called it the, the Burkdale neighborhood. And I tried to start a home church, and we invited people over to this person's house that knew a lot of people in the neighborhood. And I don't know if you remember this or not. Every, it was so, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. 
because kids were screaming, they were running all over the place, there were dogs barking, there were people distracted, there were phones going off, and I'm like, what is going on, God? I'm trying to like start this church for you. This is going to be a huge movement. Like, I'm really good at this. You got to bless this. I'm doing this for you. It did not work. It crashed. You know how many times we tried to do that? You know me chime I had these great ministry ideas to start these movements to build my empire and none of them worked. We moved to Worcester and we tried the same thing. There were a couple different times we tried these these Bible studies or I was trying to go, you know, I asked the Unitarian Universalist church if I could go speak there and represent Christ and and they I was just getting the door slammed on me and I just kept saying, "God, I I can do a lot for you. Do you are you missing out on this opportunity?" Do you know how gifted I am? And one day, this is me, this is autonomous, this is me not working in divine partnership with God. One day I just said, I mean, I was talking with Kara, and she essentially said, we're not going to do this anymore. You're not going to keep trying to start things. You caught lightning once with this little ministry you started in Wadsworth, but Whatever this is, it's not working. And so I had this conversation with God and said, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Maybe I'm supposed to be a fireman or maybe I'm supposed to be, I don't know, there's a lot of things I could do, but I'm, I'm going through seminary here and if, if this is not what you want me to do, then I'm fine with it. But if it is, then you're gonna have to lead, you're gonna have to show because I'm tired of getting rejected. I'm tired of trying things just because I feel like I need to change the world. I feel like I'm important. I feel like I, you know, God, you really could use me. I'm done. I don't think you can use me. I give up. I surrender. I'm not going to force things anymore. I'm letting go. I'm turning my hands like this. Do whatever the heck you want. I don't care if I'm a, whatever. I'll do whatever. I quit. I quit forcing things. I quit trying to do it in my own strength. It was pride. Even though those are great ideas, it was all pride. I was offended when people didn't show up. I was offended when people didn't get on board. And I was just done. And I said, I'll accept whatever you have for me. I don't need to have a microphone. I don't need to be the center of attention. Whatever you have for me, I will do it faithfully. And I go to this class in Columbus. It was a seminary class. And we're sharing a little bit of our story. And I said, well, I, I thought I was a church planter, but maybe not. I thought I was a pastor, but maybe not. Um, I'm open for whatever God has for me. I, I don't care at this point. I just want to be faithful what he has for me. I want to quit trying to force stuff. And someone comes up to me named Jesse Kaler. And Jesse says, I think maybe God is calling you to plant a church. And I said, did you hear my story? I tried, like, a lot. And he said, well, we have, this organ we have this denomination called FEC. We love church planters, and we think that we do this assessment process, and I want you to meet a couple guys. I went and had lunch with these guys, and I was honest with them. I've tried to plant churches. It doesn't work. My wife is, like, getting angry at me, like, quit trying to do this. And they said, we will support you. If you feel that God is calling you to plant a church, I said, I don't know. Well, let's explore it together. Come to a meeting. I went to a meeting. They said, we will we'll pay your salary. We'll coach you. We'll assess you. Go to this assessment and see. Kara and I were invited to an assessment with this denomination. 
And we said, we said before we went, if we're not supposed to do this and they, say, they tell us you're not the people, then we're going to believe them and not do it. Honestly, I'm tired of doing this without God. And they said, you were created to plant a church. You two together. Greg, don't you dare try to do it without care. It, it'll be really cool and we'll be very disorganized. <laughs> and so they said, you two together are called to plant a church. And it's been an exercise in weakness and faith the entire time. From day one, we said, we wanna, we wanna work in partnership with you. That means you're building it, Jesus, and I don't ever wanna lose sleep. If there's five people here, fine. If there's no people and you want us to shut it down, fine. If nobody gives, fine. This will not be a place where we pressure people to do anything because it's yours. And we trust you. And we want it to be different than what we've tried to push in the past. When it's divine partnership, you don't lose sleep. You're not anxious all the time. You're not trying to force things. You're not offended because people don't do whatever. You don't care because it's not up to you. And you actually, being more, you actually end up being more useful and helpful to the world. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, I want to invite you to test this way of living. Now, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, doesn't matter. You can still try this and see what happens. I want you to test and try on what it would look like to live in divine partnership with God. Just see what it'll do. Just see what it would look like if you let go and allowed God to lead, guide, direct your every move as you are living your life as it is right now. It doesn't mean you stop going to work. You still go to work and you say, is there anything you have for me today? Here's the prayer. If you don't have it, email me. I'll give it to you. We're going to have this every Sunday. I'll have it available. It's in your notes today, but if we ran out, you can grab it next Sunday or listen to this online and copy it down or... Here it is. This is the prayer I want everyone to pray every morning until November 30th, just to see what God would do. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me all the time, energy, and resources necessary to do everything you are asking me to do today. Apart from your guidance, I won't know what to do and what not to do, but with your wisdom and your guidance, I will know what to do and what not to do. Help me to keep in step with you. Apart from your loving and empowering presence, I won't have the motivation or energy to be a loving presence to others or to do my work with a sense of quality. Help me to abide deeply in Christ so that I might bear good fruit, good and lasting fruit. Help me to not make my life more complex, complicated, or busy than necessary. Enable me to keep things simple and clear. Give me a single-minded focus on your kingdom and your character, trusting that you will provide all that I need as I maintain that focus. Father, I belong to you. My life is yours. This day is yours. I'm available for however you want to use me today. And I rest in the fact that whatever you ask of me, you will also provide the desire and capacity to do it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
check out our website at southsideworcester.com. <laughs>